Sunday, September the 13th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. I'm so excited to be sharing this new series with you called The Conundrum of Joy, based on the book of Philippians. The letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi is described as one of the most joy-filled books, in fact the most joy-filled book of the whole Bible. And not only is it joy-filled, it's joy-commanded. We are commanded within it to be joy-filled ourselves. And it is a conundrum. And the reason it's a conundrum is that Paul writes this joy-filled letter in the most difficult of circumstances. The Apostle Paul finds himself under house arrest. He is experiencing a lockdown of his own that lasts not just a few months, but in fact would last at least two years. He is under house arrest in chains with a Roman soldier guarding him. His freedom has been curtailed. He is indeed in lockdown. Sound familiar? And it's also strange that Paul would write to the church in Philippi, commanding them to be full of joy when he knew their own experiences. You see, Philippi was an imperial colony. It was ruled by the Romans. It was full of oppression at that time. Their freedom had been curtailed. So much of the things that they would have enjoyed were being constrained. Again, sound familiar? And in addition to that, we know that the church in Philippi was facing a lot of economic uncertainty probably because of their Christian faith, opposition had increased and their ability to trade and in fact their ability to get jobs had also been constrained. Many of us I know are facing a certain economic uncertainty as well. So all of this sounds so familiar to us. Their experience is ours. Their Lockdown, the removing of freedom, the issues that they were facing sound so familiar. And yet Paul writes to them about being filled with joy. In fact, he commands them to rejoice. How do we make sense of this? How do we marry up their situation and circumstance and yet this command to be full of joy? It's as if the Bible is speaking of a joy that isn't trapped or contained within the circumstances. A a joy that transcends what's going on around us. It's not the way we naturally think of things, is it? Um, we, We use the phrase when someone says, how are you? We might say, well, I'm okay under the circumstances. In other words, you can't expect me to be better than I am because of what's going on around me. 
And yet here this letter to the church in Philippi seems to be speaking of a joy that isn't trapped or constrained by the circumstances, but somehow is deeper, richer and wider than the issues and the experiences that Paul was facing under house arrest and the church in Philippi was facing with lots of their freedoms being curtailed and the economic stress that was facing them. It's not just, though, the book of Philippi. And before we get into it week by week, as we will over the coming weeks and months, I want us to step back and just remind ourselves that this idea of joy being deeper and richer than the circumstances is not just tied up in this particular book, but it's a theme of the whole Bible. I'd like just to share a few verses with you and then invite you perhaps this coming week to meditate uh, upon them. I want to remind us of some verses that Jesus uh, uh, spoke to his disciples. Again, he spoke these words when he knew that difficult times were coming, when he knew that what was ahead was far from what they would have intended. In fact, most of these words come very much in the shadow of the cross. And Jesus says to them, uh, this is John chapter 15, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Your joy might be full. It seems a, a really bizarre thing to say, literally hours before they would face the most horrific moments of their lives as they watched Jesus be taken away, dared to watch him be crucified as they fled and hid behind closed doors. A joy perhaps that isn't trapped or constrained in the circumstances that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And he repeated it just moments later in chapter 17. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed to his father. He prayed for them, for you and me, that whatever we are facing, that they may have, that we may have the full measure of his joy within us. That's an incredible thing, isn't it? What an amazing gift, a gift of joy that isn't trapped or constrained by the circumstances. Let's move on and look at it from a slightly different angle again. This is from Galatians and it's a very familiar uh, verse. You, you, you will know these words. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Now bear with me just for a moment. We don't regard love as being optional in the Christian life. We don't regard peace or kindness or goodness or faithfulness. These are things that we say are essential. They are part of the characteristics of the life of faith. But right in there with love and kindness and goodness and faithfulness 
and self-control right in there with characteristics that we would say are not optional, not nice to have, not cherry on the cake, but essential core values of what it means to be in Christ is joy. The fruit of the Spirit, the gift of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. There it is again. It's not contingent on what's going on around us. In the same way, we wouldn't say we should love, but only in certain circumstances. We can't then say we should have joy, but but of course, all the circumstances need to be right. All my ducks need to be lined up. All my anxieties need to be resolved. No, somehow in the midst of all of that, there is the experience of joy. And one last verse. Again, a, a verse that is probably so familiar to you. It's the kind of verse that you will have stuck on your fridge or tucked inside your Bible. It's the kind of verse that you will have gone back to uh, perhaps many times over your Christian life if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And it comes from the book of, of Nehemiah. But before I share that verse with you, let me reflect just for a moment on the situation in which we find ourselves. It's my experience, and I'm sure yours too, that everyone is weary. When we face a crisis like we did several months ago, we, we go into kind of overdrive and, and our adrenaline kicks in and we find resources that we didn't know we have. We've got this uh, amazing ability to cope with difficult times. It's, a, it's one of the marvellous things about the way that we've been uh, created. Uh, and then that adrenaline kicks in and we go through perhaps a, a dark valley and a difficult time just like we've been through. But often those things are fairly short-lived. If we flee from something, we can sprint and we can probably all sprint, I guess, maybe a little bit just for a moment. But the trouble with where we are in now is it hasn't come to an end. It's got extended and we're not clear when the end is going to come. And so that initial burst of adrenaline, those extra resources that we've, we've pulled upon, well, they're quite depleted now. And all of us are weary, emotionally weary, psychologically weary, as well as physically weary. If there was ever a moment when we needed strength, I would suggest this is the moment. Now, back to that verse in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Think about that for a moment. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength of the Lord is directly related to joy. If we want the strength of the Lord, we will only have the strength of the Lord by also experiencing and knowing the joy of the Lord. They are directly related. And my invitation to you this week, as we begin to step into this story, this letter to the church in Philippi, to Christians just like us who are struggling in different ways, perhaps in very similar ways, facing all kinds of restrictions and anxieties. As Paul wrote to them from prison, this letter of joy, what is there for us to learn, to know, to understand that our joy might be full and the joy of the Lord might be our 
strength. So my invitation to you is to join with me this week and spend just a few minutes every day meditating on this verse. Uh, To meditate is just to think about it, to ponder it, to kind of chew it over, the kind of chewing the cud as as the expression that we use, the way cows would chew things over to draw out the nourishment from it. So uh, maybe just have the verse in front of you, think about it, pray over it, reflect upon it. What does it mean for the joy of the Lord to be your strength? Because that's the invitation that God has for us. That's the invitation that comes as we begin to look at this letter to the church in Philippi. The conundrum of joy. We so easily think that to be joyful is directly connected to our circumstances. But no, in this letter, the way Paul writes, joy was something altogether different. And it's God's gift to you and to me. God bless you this week. We're going to pray together. And to do that, we're going to use one of the tools that we use to help us live a life just like Jesus did, a life of balance. It's called the triangle. You would have seen it before. And it looks a bit like this. We're going to pray around our up relationships, our relationship between us and the Father. We're going to pray for our in relationships, those in our church family and Christians that we know and love. And we're then going to pray for our out relationships, those uh, who aren't Christians. We're going to pray especially today for our town after such a tough week, especially with uh, the incident that happened in Kesgrave. So do join me as we pray. Perhaps if you're a child, you want to draw yourself a triangle and put up in and out on there. Perhaps you want to draw some pictures of the people who you're praying for. Uh, You might want to draw some pictures of some of our members of the church family and pray for them as we pray together. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you in prayer right now and you welcome us. We pray for our up relationships. We want to thank you that you welcome us, that you call us loved. And we want to thank you for the friendship we can have with you, knowing you are always there for us. As we enter this new season, we commit ourselves once again to you. We want to thank you that you are always there. And may we really know your presence, even in this moment right now. And we also commit ourselves to you to grow more in love of you and understanding of you and in your ways. Help us over this next season to really get deeper into relationship with you and to grow deeper in our roots of faith. And now we turn to pray for our in relationships, our relationships with other Christians and especially our Burlington family. We want to thank you that you don't call us to follow alone. You invite us to be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so in the moment of silence that I'll leave in a moment, we're going to pray and name people that we want to say thank you to God for who are in our Burlington family, but also those that we know and love who might be struggling at this time with ill health or facing challenging times. So why don't you now, wherever you are, Name those people and pray for them, asking that God is near all who need him. So, Lord, we pray for those people that we've named and those that are on our hearts. 
May every Christian that we know and love and every Christian across this world know your very presence with them right now in Jesus name. And we turn to pray finally for our out relationships. We bring to you, Father God, our streets, our homes, our schools, our workplaces, the places where we go day by day. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that your kingdom come and your will be done in our town as it is in heaven. We pray especially for the suburb of Kersgrave and Lord, we ask your blessing on those streets. May they proclaim peace and may they be places where peace reigns. We pray especially for the pupils of Kersgrave and we pray especially uh, for your presence to be felt by the teaching staff, the parents and all who live in Kersgrave. And Lord Jesus, we lift up the situation with the families involved in the shooting on Monday. Lord, be close to the brokenhearted. We pray for healing, both physical, mental and emotional. Lord Jesus, come, we ask. And as we move into this week, Lord, help us to live a balanced life where we glorify you and live only for you. May we be conscious of being one family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And may we live for your kingdom, proclaiming peace and joy and hope and the love of the Father wherever we go. In Jesus' name. Amen.